Welcome to Stutzcast. You can hear, as usual, the uh, the happy chirping and tweeting of the birds as we come to the end of February. Today is February the 29th, Sunday, 10.40am. And Rooney and I are about to start our quest for adventure yet again as we march forward into the marshes of Connecticut see what we can find so thank you for joining us and uh, let's just get started okay well we are off it's uh, it's a greyish kind of a day. Not much in the way of weather to report. It's not cold, about 40 degrees. It's okay. And uh, my loyal fellow knight, Sir Rooney, is, is uh, up ahead of me already, sniffing out what he can find. Ooh, there's a whole family of up ahead we're going to have to overtake them runes well, it's Sunday isn't it people are out for a walk Sunday morning we've got to share our path with others runes anyway we're going to keep a keen eye out for what we can see today I haven't really been reporting on too much wildlife on my wildlife podcast let's see what we can see but we're definitely coming to the end of the winter which I am relieved, and so is Rooney. Well, actually, Rooney quite likes winter. Don't you, Runes? <laughs> yeah, he quite likes the snow, but there is no snow. This is why you can't hear me crunch, crunching along underfoot. There is no snow uh, on this path right now. There will be further ahead, but this is all right. And it's not too soggy either. The marsh, the um, gully in the marsh is pretty full of water. Well, should we call it a creek? I don't know what the correct term is, but uh, lots of water in the uh, in the marsh fields. Looking across, can't see anything. Last night I saw, Christina pointed it out actually, four deer in the marsh just beside our house. It was just going dark and it, they're almost like spirits. And it was a little bit misty and uh, they were all feeding, so you couldn't see their heads, but you could see their kind of shoulders and rumps as they were taking their, you know, their meal. But uh, I don't see any this morning. Ooh, I smell, I thought I smelled skunk then, but maybe not. Um, now, it is the last day of February. Oh God, it's, it's my uncle's birthday and I didn't send him a card. Oh dear. <laughs> well, 28th of February. Did I say the 29th earlier on? It's the 28th of February, but still, it's the last day. It's not a leap year, so there is no 29 this year. Actually, my uncle, when I checked the records, I was doing a, like a family tree, and according to the birth certificates that you can find online, but according to the birth certificate, my uncle was born on the 29th of February. But he, he thinks his birthday is the 28th, so I'm not going to put him right. 
He says his birthday is the 28th, and it is the 28th. But uh, perhaps his parents just made it the 28th to simplify. <laughs> Difficult if you have your birthday on the 29th of February. What to put on the birth certificate? And why is February such a short month? Well, now that's interesting because according to my smart speaker, <laughs> as I was having my breakfast this morning, you know, Alexa suddenly pipes up. I have new function. Would, would you like to enable it? Or no, would you like to hear what it is? Of course I say yes. Well, what is your new function, Alexa? And she says uh, something about, if you say good morning, Alexa, I will give you like a morning brief. So I said, good morning, Alexa. Let's <laughs> try it out. And um, she piped up with an interesting fact that the reason why February is the shortest month is that um, Augustus Caesar was upset about the fact that, Feb that August, which was named after him, was such a short month. So he stole two days, <coughs> excuse me, he stole two days off February and stuck them onto August. It was a pretty good move if you ask me, because I, you know, let's have a longer, longer summer and a shorter winter. <laughs> Does it work that way? No. Oh, my phone. Bear with me. Hello? Yes. Okay. Sorry about that. A little bit of uh, interruption there. But uh, where were we? I think we were talking about Augustus Caesar stealing two days off February and putting it onto August. Well, I don't know if that's true or not, but it sounds good. So we'll go with it, Runes. We'll go with it. <sighs> now, it's not that I haven't been recording Stutzcasts recently, but I haven't published any recently because I've realised, as my mother used to say, familiarity breeds contempt. <laughs> and I've been posting too much. You know, you don't need to know my every thought and every movement, of course. Why is that interesting to you? So we're going to try and condense or, or, or consolidate, let's say, the last two or three podcasts into one, the Sunday cast, and see if we can, you know, make that a bit more interesting. Now, I'm kind of walking slow because people ahead of me, people behind, and, you know, they're going to think I'm some kind of a nut. Oh, there's a boxer dog ahead. Rooney's gone charging after it. Now, did you hear that? That. Wait, he's going to do his funny little buzz in a sec. There, did you hear the buzz? Let me try it again. That high pitch and then. Is he going to do it? I'm going to tell you what that is in a second, if I can just get him to do it one more time. He's doing his high pitch squeak. 
but then he does something that sounds like a like a buzz, like a door buzzer or something. Come on, do it. Well, you may have caught that. Now that, <laughs> there's a few of them around now. They weren't, oh, hello. Are you gonna do it? Anyway, I think you get the flavor. That is a black, a, a uh, red-winged blackbird. Now when they come back, that's a sure sign that spring is on the way. They've been off in the southern states, Mexico, South America. They go down there during the winter and they come back here in the spring. And uh, they're jet black, well the males anyway. The males come back first apparently before the females. <laughs> Funny isn't it? But the males come back first and they claim their territories and all that. Then the females come and join them. And uh, they're, they're, you know, there are a lot of them. You, they're quite stunning to look at because they, they just look like a blackbird. And they're probably about six, seven inches, if that. Not particularly big. But they uh, have these epaulets, red shoulder wings. Really striking. About as red as the cardinal's red, but just on the uh, shoulders, so it kind of sets off the black and the, the red. It looked pretty impressive. And, uh, you know, they, they travel around in large numbers. According to Stan's notes, uh, you know, they can be seen in groups of up to, to 10,000. Oh. I've seen about four. So maybe, maybe this is the, the advanced party. But you, can, you see, you can hear more birds around now. I'm struggling to see them, but I can hear them all right. Yeah, so spring. Now, uh, let's see. Talking about consolidating recent podcasts into one. I, 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 let's see if I can step back, if I can remember you know, through the last few days. Well, um, we have had quite a lot of uh, excitement in our quest for adventure, Rune and I, because, and it, and it sort of centres around Betty Blake, funnily enough. <laughs> I've mentioned Betty once or twice before in these podcasts, but Betty's a 84-year-old lady that lives close to us and sometimes takes care of Rooney. And volunteered to do that because she just turned up at our house one day and Rooney was outside the front door and said he's a beautiful dog I'd love to take care of him if you ever you know need me to and we took her up on it and we took Maya to university in September and you know we've been kind of friends I would say ever since anyway Betty whose son I, I may have mentioned this before but son is was the number one tennis player in uh, America, James Blake. Betty had an appointment at the dermatologist at Yale University about six weeks ago. She asked me to take her and I did and bring her home. And uh, then she had a follow-up appointment uh, on Wednesday, I think. You know, just to sort of see that everything's sorted out okay. And so, so she asked me again to take her and I did. But when I came to pick her up, she came out of her house clutching her left arm, and she didn't look good. 
So I said to her, what's the matter? And she said, I've fallen. Hurt my arm. I'm in terrible pain. And she's not a complainer, Betty. She's a tough old type. So I said, well, in a way, it's good that we're going to a hospital now because um, maybe we can get you an X-ray as well. See if there's any, any damage. She said, well, I've taken a cup of Tylenol. I think I'll be all right. Well, I didn't want to push it. You know how it's intrusive when you, you know, you just don't want to let people be. So I didn't say anything. Um, got her to the hospital, saw her up to the uh, dermatology department, and uh, had a quick, well, you know, I wasn't allowed in because of COVID, but uh, I had a quick whisper in the nurse's ear as I dropped her off. I said, she had a fall this morning. She's in a lot of pain. Any chance of an x-ray? She, she whispered back, said, I'll mention it to the doctor. So then I left her at that. <laughs> Went down to the car to wait. And uh, I don't know, about 30 minutes later, I got this call from Betty's cell phone, but it was not Betty. It was uh, one of the staff. And they said, can you come up? I said, me? Yes. Why? And they said, well, we'll explain when you get here. I thought, oh dear, what's going on? I thought, oh, sorry, Rooney. Rooney, come on. Come on, Rooney, come here. Rooney, come on. Oh, sorry, I didn't realise. Come on, Rooney. Come on. Come on. Silly boy. Oh, dear, sorry. <laughs> didn't mean to scare you. All right, we'll get ahead. <laughs> oh, dear, Rooney. Um... So yeah, so uh, I came up and they ushered me into the consulting room where Betty was, you know, being seen. And there she was, laid out on this consulting uh, chair. And she said, oh, these people are scaring me. I said, what? What was the matter? And she said, um, uh, well, she didn't say anything. The, 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 the doctor, sorry, one of the nurses said... Uh, um, I'm afraid that she can't travel at the moment. Hello. Hello <laughs> good, thank you. How are you? Good. A little bit of a say hello to each other. Oh no. Oh, she'll get nice and muddy. <laughs> All right, enjoy the walk. So, uh, Okay, Runes, I'm going to let you go again now. We're away from the family that we're afraid of you. See, he's a big scary dog. Do you mind if I just wipe the thing off your nose? It doesn't look good when you have flobber all over yourself. So, yeah, um, they said she cannot travel at the moment. I said, why? They said, because her blood pressure is so high that she's got to go to the emergency room. I said, oh, God. I said, well, how high is her blood pressure? They said, it's like 195 over, you know, 115. Now, I am no doctor, but I know that those numbers are pretty scary. So I said, okay, emergency water. So well, where is it? They, they gave me the address. It's, you know, it's New Haven. Oh, Yale University has buildings all over New Haven. So, you know, it wasn't in the same building. So I said, okay. 
anyway, long, long story short, they, I got her into the emergency ward. You know, through the well, I got her through the triage you know, system where the nurse takes your details and And luckily, the um, you know the doctor that she'd been seeing, the dermatology doctor, had called ahead, so they were expecting her. And uh, so, you know, she, she went into the bowels of, of, of the hospital. I, of course, couldn't go in because of COVID. They said, you can't. So, but as she was just leaving, she said, don't go, will you? <laughs> I said, okay, I'll wait. <laughs> Wondering, of course, how long this is going to take because I really had n not much information except her blood pressure was very high and she had a bad arm. So in she goes. Uh, I go back to my car to wait, and after about, I don't know, a half an hour or so, I get a call from the dermatology doctor, one of his nurses actually, Doc, uh, Sherry Yu, she was called, and she said, hi, it's Sherry Yu, and uh, just wanted to follow up on uh, Betty, what, what's going on? I said, well, I don't know, she, she's gone into ER, but I wasn't allowed to go, I don't know any more than that. So they said, well, we'll we'll contact them and call you back um, but the thing is she's likely to be there for a good long time because they're not going to let her out until they've got her blood pressure under control I said okay well thing is I, I told her I'd stay and they said well you can stay if you want but she could be out best thing you can do is go home oh okay Anyway, I was sort of texting Betty that inf that information that she just told me, and then Betty called me. That's pretty much said the same thing. She said, oh, they've told me it could be you know a few hours, um, you know, and, and she was look she <laughs> to complicate matters even more. She's looking after one of her neighbour's dogs, Sasko, a yellow lab. Of course, Sasko was locked up in her house, so she said, could could I go home feed and let Sasko out and. I said, yeah. So I came home. Oh, that's a cardinal, can you hear him? Very beautiful song. Came home and uh, we were due out for dinner with the Curtises. So anyway, I just about managed to get everything done in time. And I said to Betty, you know, just let me know when you want me to pick you up and I'll come back. So, okay. Anyway, so we go to the Curtises. John and Claire Curtis, and they're uh, one of their um, soccer staff, Tyrone, who's uh, he's a professional football player as well. So you know, and to my great satisfaction, he played for my team at one point in his career, Burnley. So you know, I tell them that I've got to have to keep an eye on the, my phone, and I can't drink because I might have to drive. So. Um, you know, don't, don't really hear anything from Betty the whole meal chatting with uh, John and Ty Tyrone about football soccer of course Ty Tyrone you know, said to me he was surprised that Sean Dyche the manager at Burnley Football Club hasn't been poached you know, for a better job a, bit, a bigger team I said Tyrone what do you mean a better job. He's the manager of Burnley Football Club. <laughs> Tyrone laughing. 
Anyway, that was the sort of banter. We had delicious, seven delicious homemade pizzas that Claire made. She made her own dough, her own topping. It was really good. I thought we were going to, you know, demolish the whole kitchen stock. I was really hungry and so was everybody else. Anyway, we got it eaten and then I had to go back, let Sasko, the dog, out again and check she was all right and then went to bed. As soon as I got into bed, <laughs> text from Betty. All right, they're letting me go now. Can you come and get me? Okay, back I go. And uh, in the meantime, she's told me that they've done the x-ray and uh, she's got a broken arm, broken bone in her uh, elbow. God, that must be painful. So I said, okay. And I pick her up. You know, she's poor thing. She's in a bit of a state. Still got her gown on and her, her overcoat over her gown and her bag with all her belongings. It's, it's like when you release people from prison, you know, it's, it's like that. Anyway, she just wanted to get home. I don't blame her. She's got her home, got her in to her house. She's happy, comfortable. And uh, so, you know, that, that, that's, that was that. And then uh, last couple of days, because she's looking after this dog till, well, seven o'clock tonight, the owner comes back. I said, Betty, you cannot walk that dog with a broken arm and, you know, blood pressure that's gone through the roof. <laughs> so I'll walk, walk her for you. So, I, you know, I did. On the Thursday, I took that dog and Reed down to the beach. God, that dog's a handful. And then the, yesterday, she texted me and said, can I come with you when you walk to Sasko? I feel like I should be okay. I said, all right. And uh, she was much better yesterday. The day before, actually, I, when I went round, I, I took the dogs back. She opened the door for me and then kind of swooned and, and sort of came down she didn't fall, but she came down pretty fast and sort of lay into her stairs that sort of are right opposite the front door and said, oh my God, I got up too fast, I feel dizzy. I said, oh God, Bessie, just take it easy, you know. Anyway, she was much better yesterday and uh, she was tired. <laughs> Come on, Ruth. <laughs> Come on. She was tired, but she wasn't, you know, so bad and she said I, I lent her my blood pressure monitor of course I've got um, blood pressure issues but um, but anyway I take medication for that so I'm alright <clears throat> but I lent her my blood pressure monitor so she can keep an eye on, on her blood pressure and she said that she'd taken it a couple of times and it's, it's variable but coming down so yeah so that's the, the Betty issue <laughs> um, I can hear getting noisy again as we get close to the marshes again. All kinds of birds now. A lot of doves, a lot of starlings. You know, they go around in big clusters. You can hear them. <laughs> so, um, then of course, the, the other thing that's sort of significant that I've been involved with is trying to get permits and uh, permissions to go and live in Spain because since Brexit you, as a you know since the UK has left the EU 
can't go and live in countries in Europe anymore, or so easily. So I booked myself an appointment with a Spanish consulate, which was on uh, Friday. And uh, oh, a little treacherous here, it's ice underfoot, slippy. Winter's not quite finished. So yeah, so I bought myself an appointment at the uh, Spanish consulate, 12 o'clock Friday. I'd filled out a whole lot of forms that I'd read up online that you need to apply as a US citizen for residency in Spain. And uh, main issues are really, are you going to be financially independent or a burden on the state? So you have to show them your bank details and all that. You have to show them you're not a criminal with, you know, a clean police report. You have to show them that you're not, you know, sickly with a clean health report. And uh, that's about it, really. Um, anyway, so I went in there expecting, you know, frosty reception from some kind of uh, minor official, <laughs> you know, but not at all. I got, I would say, an enthusiastic welcome from the staff there, really nice. This lady couldn't have been more helpful. You know, she sort of, I felt like she was being my personal consultant. As I was saying to her, I told her what I needed. And I needed permission to go to Spain because of COVID, because Americans can't go to Spain without good reason. And I needed to settle there. And I t told her that I had a UK passport, a US passport. She gave me good advice. Apparently the rules, I, I haven't seen this anywhere else, so I'm, taking it with a pinch of salt but apparently the rules for UK passport holders are god this is like a lake here we're gonna have to go off the path a bit and <coughs> keep our feet dry um yeah if you're a UK passport holder she said the instructions that she's just had are you're allowed to settle in Spain as, as long as you had it before Brexit happened your passport that is um you can you can sort of be treated as if in the UK still in the EU, which is news to me. That's what she said. But I said, well, what if they change that decision? She said, yes, they could. So I said, I don't want that. I want a bulletproof case. So let's, what do you think if I just go with the application as an American citizen? She said, good idea. Let's do that. So anyways, she went through all my documents and she said, it's all good, all good. The only thing I was missing was a letter from the doctor saying I'm in good physical and mental health and no contagious diseases. Well, <laughs> mental health, <laughs> anybody's guess. But yeah, I'm pretty much in good shape. Christina, Maya, all in good shape. So I think that's fine. So she said, next time you come, bring your wife. You can make the application on behalf of your daughter and bring your doctor's letters. And I think everything's going to be good. All right. This is great. <clears throat> so anyway, got, got that done. Which is a huge relief, because really, in the back of our minds, there's been this kind of worry that we're not even going to be allowed to go and live in Spain. <laughs> Having planned to retire there for years, and, you know, Brexit suddenly happened, and that kind of threw a spanner in the works, but I think we're okay. <laughs> so that's... That's a relief. Hey, Runes. I even went to the uh, vets and I said, I'm going to need a uh, certificate of health for my dog. 
to travel. And she said, oh, right, okay. And, and, a, and a microchip ruins, you're not gonna like this. A microchip, so you can be scanned if you get lost without a collar and they know who you are. It's a good idea, that. Don't know why I didn't do that before. I hope it doesn't hurt. I think you're gonna be like James Bond. <laughs> is it, which one is it? Casino Royale, I think. The, the, the latest Casino Royale. <sighs> when uh, they put a microchip in his arm because they want to know where he is at all times. <laughs> and he has to roll his sleeve up and they put this kind of microchip injection device against his forearm and pull the trigger and he just says, ow. <laughs> well, that's what you're going to be like, Runes when they give you your microchip, but I hope, hope it doesn't hurt much. Because he's, he's, he's bold, bold uh, knight, aren't you, Ruins, when it comes to you know, other dogs and things, but there are certain things which he's not keen on. Vets is one. Well, traveling to and from the vets, he does not like that. So we'll try and keep, keep as painless as possible, Ruins. But it's, it's a requirement, so. So we've got that. And, uh, you know, April the 24th is our target Leave America date. Shipping company has been appointed. So it's all happening. <coughs> and, uh, <coughs> excuse me. You know, we're hurtling towards that date. It's already at the end of February, so we've really got only March and April, and then we're gone. As Christine said, seven more weekends. <clears throat> okay. Nothing much going on in the uh, in the bird walk area of the, of the Stutzcast ruins. I mean, he's not even finding anything. No deer. Nothing. Sun's hidden behind the clouds. I can just about see it, but not not really doing much. It's a sort of a, it's a neutral day, isn't it, Runes? So then last night, it's the weekend. So I'm off the wagon, <laughs> the weekends. I might be, I might be off the wagon today as well. We're going to Janice and Phil's for lunch and uh, Christina's decided that she wants to drink. So I might have to drive. Probably be a good thing too. Anyway, last night we went to the Cochrane's. Jeremy and Catherine Cochrane, and actually the Curtises were there. So, well, we knew that they were going to be there. We're kind of a, that's another gang that we're in. <laughs> another bubble. So, uh, I think you're only supposed to have one bubble. Well, if we were in the UK, but this is America. <laughs> Do what you want. <clears throat> so, yeah, we often, as a, you know, three couples, the Cochrans, the Stuttards and the Curtises, that's like a dinner party set. And then the Pincuses, the uh, Burns and the Stutters, that's another dinner party set that we're in. So, you know, all happening. But yeah, we went over to the Cochrane's house. They were returning the invite about a month ago. We had them all over to our house for dinner. That's the subject of a podcast. If you look back over the records, you'll see one. I think it's called In a Jovial Mood or something silly like that. But, ah! God, I'm right through the mud, seeping through my boots. Gotta get some new boots. Damn it, wet foot. Um, 
so that was fun last night. We uh, we got there a little late because we had to say goodbye to Nikki and Glenn. Oh God, yes, he's eaten more people that we're friendly with. Nikki and Glenn are driving to Utah. In fact, they set off this morning at five o'clock. And they're going to travel all the way down to a place called Park City and do some skiing. They're keen skiers. If you'd listened to any of these podcasts before, you might have come across one where we go and stay in Glen and Nicky's place up in Mount Snow in Vermont. Hey, Runes, wait. Hang on, Rooney. Stop. Oh, he's keen to get on. Okay. Got to put his leash on on the road here. Um... Yeah, so they're, they're off on an adventure. A seven-week tour. <clears throat> it's going to take them four, four or five days, I think, to drive to Utah. And Glenn said it was 650 songs on a playlist. Long, the journey. <laughs> so uh, that should be fun. Anyway, we had to drop it on them to say goodbye. And then off to the, to the uh, Cochrane's. I don't know why, but on the last podcast, when I was talking about the Cochrane's, I was calling them the tapes. Jeremy and Catherine Tate. Isn't she somebody famous? Catherine Tate. Is she a comedian or something? Oh, brain scramble. I don't know why I said that. But anyway, they're called the Cochrans. <clears throat> and uh, so we get there. Maybe 20 minutes late because of uh, the sort of detour. And uh, John and Claire are already there. Jeremy is... Uh, cooking some prawns or shrimp as they call them in this country in a nice big frying pan delicious Catherine's um, you know they're sort of sharing the cooking I think between the two of them all very nice beautiful house right right beside the well not right beside the beach but in that beach area in Westport where you know it's a beach life beautiful house and uh, they got Two daughters, and obviously, not obviously, the, the Curtis's two boys were there as well. Very different ages. I think the Curtis boys are seven and three, and the Cochrane daughters are more like, ooh, I'm, I'm going to say, fifteen and thirteen. Could be wrong, but in that range. So it's good fun. And uh, <coughs> of course, I say to John, he's <laughs> sitting on one of the bar stools next to me. And I see Jeremy cooking, and I said, well, John, you know, I did the cooking at the last dinner party. Jeremy's doing the cooking at this one. You're next. <laughs> he said, yeah, damn it. Making me look bad. But uh, he takes us a joke. Good sense of humour, John. Um, so, uh, yeah, we had a, like, starters in the kitchen I like that it's nice and relaxed you know you have a good chat not too formal and then we moved for the main course into the dining room it was like something out of homes and gardens I mean perfect dining table perfect set really beautiful <laughs> a nice salad chili con carne lots of wine it was great lots of chat we were <laughs> swinging the chandelier a bit over, over dinner telling ghost stories <laughs> I don't know quite how that came about. But, uh, <laughs> hello, sorry. Okay. I'll get, get him away. Oh, yeah, she looks like she wants to play. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, we were starting to tell ghost stories. Well, we had the hello. We had lots of um, stories. I was telling the story about how Christina saw a ghost in France. I, I also think I've covered that in a podcast. Well, God knows which one. <laughs> anyway, then Claire was saying that she grew up in a house that was haunted. More than haunted, poltergeist. You know, she said that things like light switches would go on and the doors would slam. And that would freak me out if I came across anything like that. I'm a real coward when it comes to ghosts. <laughs> John was doing the, um, you know, there's no such thing. <laughs> Claire was doing the, you know, you can't say that, you've no idea. <laughs> Diametrically opposed on that issue. And, uh, you know, it was good fun. You know, lots of good old stories. And then, um, then Jeremy said, well, as we, you know, at your dinner party, as we had uh, games, board games, after dinner, how about we do that again? We've got a game we'd like you to play. So we'll go, okay, that sounds good. <clears throat> he produces this game out of a box. I think it was called Trumps. Nothing to do with, uh, nothing to do with that. Um, and... Uh, it's a, it's a sort of the idea is you you know you've got to predict how many hands you're going to win or how many hands how many tricks you're going to win in each hand and uh, the, the the name of the game is to get it right because you get penalised if you predict you're going to win three and you only win one or you predict you're going to win none and you win three it's 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 like that so the the, the purpose that the, you know, the point of the game is accuracy you look at the cards you've got. And then you figure out, you know, and, you, and, and the number of cards you have in your hand increases by one each, each round. So you get up to ten. And you score. And, you know, I think two-eyed jacks are, are you know, they're, they're duds. They're not worth anything. And one-eyed jacks are wild. They can be anything you want. So then you, can, you, you don't have to follow suits if you've got, you know, those. <clears throat> so... After a round or two, I got the hang of it. And uh, we were having fun. Christina was leading at one point, then Claire was leading at one point, you know, and then John was leading at one point. I was kind of like trailing. And then <laughs> I, got, I figured it out <clears throat> towards the end. A bit slow on the uptake, but I figured it out. Ended up with the most points. It sounds like I'm bragging. Sorry, I, I really have no interest in bragging. <clears throat> I was just... Uh, you know, telling it how it was. But uh, the, p- the point is, it was, it was really good fun, relaxed, and uh, not too heavy. <laughs> so I, I was doing the drinking, Christina wasn't. And, uh, you know, someone's got to. <laughs> Down at the beach. Can you hear? Oh, there's almost no waves today. Nothing. Listen. Just a very gentle, it's like a lake today. Very gentle, smooth surface of the water. Colourless day, but very mild. Hey, Runes? Um, yeah, so when we got back, 
Oh, I, you know, wanted if Christina wanted just one little nightcap. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought I'd have a little nightcap, so I poured myself a small scotch, put loads of water in it and some ice, put it down on the coffee table, sat down opposite Christina, promptly fell straight to sleep. <laughs> there it was in the morning. <clears throat> I came down, Christina said, would you like a scotch? <laughs> it ended up down the sink. I'm glad, actually, that I didn't have it. Wouldn't have done me any good at all. So how's that was last night? Actually, it wasn't too heavy, I mean, drink-wise. Drink and, of course, tomorrow I'll be back, back on the wagon again for, for till, you know, Friday. I quite like doing it this way. So today we have a debate over what to do, whether to drink or not, at the Burns's. If I don't drink, they'll be upset. If I do, we've got to find some way of getting home. You know, you know we'll have to figure that out. Hello. So we'll figure it out. Uh, so I thought, you know, we'd go out at this time so we can coordinate the, the timing of the end of the walk, the end of the Rooney and John adventurous podcast. We're just about the right time to be setting off for the Burnses. Well, we're not due there till two, so... Uh, no, we're not going to be walking that long, is it? It's only 11.30 now. 11.25. It. I'm looking forward to it, though. It'll be great. Pinky's coming, but only for drinks beforehand, so the only people eating are Christina and I. And the Burnses, obviously. So that's... You know, that's it. Up to date. So that's, that's my plan now, not, not to give you drip drip feed, you know, every day, but to give you, you know, maybe four or five days worth each podcast. Perhaps that's more interesting. We'll try it anyway. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> not sure. Still not sure who's listening. Oh, God, the dog coming full speed. Oh, he's chasing a ball. I thought he was coming for you there, Rune. Rune is going to check it out, though. <clears throat> Yeah, so I have a lot of things to sort out in the basement. Boxes and boxes of things that we've moved from the other house before we moved here. That I haven't really sort of got to sorting out yet. So I started last week, this, this week, I started going through these boxes. And my first instinct was, you know, you've got to be ruthless here. Throw out stuff that you haven't you know, touched for about the last 20 years. Throw it out. So, you know, going through boxes of books. Some of them, I, you know, I, my college books. I studied English literature, so quite a lot of classics. Some of which, I, I, you know, to be honest, I've never read. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I'm, I, you know, today, this morning, I was going through a box of books and I came across Mort D'Arthur. <laughs> this is why I was talking about, you know, Knights of the Round Table and all that. That's Sir Thomas Mallory. I don't know if you've ever come across him, but he, he, he was an interesting character, and he wrote a lot of these Knights of the Round Table stories. <laughs> so did others, but I think Caxton was around about that era, what, the 14, 1450s, 1460s, maybe it's slightly earlier, 1430s maybe. <clears throat> and uh, so Caxton was printing in those days. Rooney, 
so you know this was one of the early published works so I, I just picked it up this morning and I thought well I haven't read it I can hardly throw it away having had it for 40 years and never really read it well I must have read bits because I saw some underlinings <laughs> notes in the in the, you know, the margins that I must have made when I was, had to do some essay on Mallory or something uh, and uh, no, I didn't really remember so I was reading it this morning sitting on the sofa reading you know the tale of Sir Lancelot <laughs> and it's all written in middle English so you know it's all <laughs> spelling is phonetic and and you know they use words that we, we don't use anymore like a couple of times I was reading this morning instead of saying thank you they say gramercy <laughs> great gramercy which there's a lot of sort of French influence in English at the time and I, and I think I think it's us, oh, Melman. Hello, come on, Runes. Come on, Rune. He, 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 as soon as he sees the the, the white van, <laughs> come on. Yeah, so Gramercy. I, I think it must be a corruption of Grand Merci or something like that. <laughs> so big thanks. But um, <laughs> reading, you know, the tale of Sir Lancelot and. Uh, <laughs> How he uh, is riding out with his um, his cousin, Sir Lionel, and he goes for sleep under a, an apple tree and uh, fall, falls asleep. And Sir Lionel gets taken captive by this bad knight, Sir Tristram. Tristram. These <laughs> are funny tales, strange. And then we, you know, he, some four maidens, four queens, come across Sir Lancelot and they put a, an enchantment on him. <clears throat> So he doesn't wake up until they get him back into their castle, where they say, you're only going to be allowed to go free if you marry one of us. <laughs> and he says, I can't marry one of you because I'm, you know, not betrothed, but I'm, I'm promised in, in terms of, uh, well, valour, really, to Queen Guinevere. He's not, you know, that, that's King Arthur's wife. <laughs> so that's an odd one, isn't it? But um, So... You know, they say, well, you know, tough. You either marry one of us or you stay in the dungeon here. <laughs> Hard choice. So he says, well, I'm afraid I'm not going to marry one of you, so, you know, you can swing for it. I'll stay in the dungeon. Thank you. <laughs> and, of course, he gets rescued by another maiden who uh, says, I'll rescue you as long as you help my father because he's going to be in a tournament, a jousting tournament or whatever against you know some other knights and, and this other knight has never been defeated and my father's going to get killed if uh, if he has to joust with this knight so will you joust with him of course Lancelot jumps at the opportunity to you know show this kind of uh, bravery and uh, chivalry and then, of course I'll do it so, <laughs> now I, I, I haven't got to the bit yet where you know we were in the jousting tournament had to leave to take Rooney out for a walk. So I don't know what happens, but I'm pretty sure I know what's going to happen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, very exciting. Written in Middle English. <clears throat> and sometimes, you know, you look at words and you have to sort of say it out loud to work out what it means. Because <laughs> the way it's spelled, it doesn't help. And then you say it the way it's spelled. I'm trying to think of an example. I, I can't just think of one off the top of my head, but that, that, that's the way it works.
I remember reading Middle English when I was at college and I was really struggling with it. Like, you know, Chaucer and Piers the Ploughman and all that sort of stuff. And I used to really struggle with it because I couldn't, couldn't get my head around what the heck it was saying. And for some reason, I pick it up this morning and I can read it like, like it's, I'm a natural. Maybe that's just what age does for you. <laughs> sort of smooths out the brain. Come on, Runes. So that's part of the Mort d'Arthur. <clears throat> so, well, the reason I'm telling you this, I think, is because I was <clears throat> trying to trying to go through all my books and <clears throat> be ruthless about throwing stuff away. And of course, I've got the opposite. And I'm thinking, oh, I've got to keep that. I've got to keep that. I've got to keep that. Oh, and the house isn't big enough for everything that we're going to. So I was saying to Christina, I mean, you've got plenty of room in the in the container that we're shipping to take more stuff. She said, yes, but where are we going to put it? Well, that's, that's <clears throat> brutal logic. I've never been good with brutal logic. <laughs> you know, I have to have some element of blur in my life to get through, you know. My life, things are not black and white. They're sort of shades of grey. <laughs> and uh, Christina's very black and white. So that's, that's probably why we're a good team. <laughs> Very different from each other. <laughs> I love her, you know, directness. And I, don't, I actually don't think she likes my <laughs> indirectness, but there you go. Um, now, let's see where we are. We've done section one, the intro, and we're in section two, which is the main body, as I call it. You're only supposed to be an hour on the main body, so we don't want to overshoot. Let me see. How, how long we've been t walking runes and talking. 49 minutes. Well, yeah. Should, should we sort of move into section three, the clothes, Rooney? What do you think? Uh, Rooney's not ready for the clothes yet. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. <clears throat> um, yeah, so, you know, as you think about retirement, you think about all the classics that you never read and want to read, if, if you're, you know, that way inclined like I am you know and I was looking up I was looking at books that uh, I mean I read Persuasion the other day by Jane Austen which I'd never read it'd been on my shelf for 40 years never read it and I thought it was really good and then I saw other books you know some, uh, this is, what's it called J.D. Salinger Esme and Other Stories um, you know lots of classics and I'm thinking why am I throwing these away it's about time I read them so I can see what I'm going to be doing when we get to Spain. I'll be sitting in the, on the terrace or in the living room reading the books I should have read at university 40 years ago. Still got a degree in English Lit, but <clears throat> probably didn't earn it quite as honestly as I should have done. A lot of cold notes. <laughs> you know, the quick, quick way of reading something so that you can just about answer an essay question on it without actually having read it. <laughs> Thank God for Cole's notes. But that's not the point. You've got to read the actual book, not the synopsis. <laughs> Why am I talking about this? Is this in any way of interest? <laughs> Probably not. Certainly not to you, Runes. He says, well, I'm okay with it. <laughs> uh... I like Sundays. 
I said before in one of the, one of the podcasts, I said how I used to, it goes back to my school days, how I used to like to go for drinks before Sunday lunch. One of my schoolmasters, I, I, I talked about this before, so I won't repeat, but, uh, you know, at school, we used to have sherry before Sunday lunch with one of the masters, when we were, you know, monarchs, prefects, or whatever it's called. And uh, I was telling Glenn this, Glenn Wisher. Oh, no, I wasn't telling Glenn this. He was just volunteering. He went to, I forget, which school he was at. But um, anyway, he was telling me that he used to have drinks with his masters when he was a, like a school prefect, you know, on Sundays. And I thought, well, so did I. It must have been like a, must have been a, what they did in public schools in, in the UK in those days. <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to teach these young men to, you know, come on. Can you come? You gotta teach these young men how to handle their drink. <laughs> well, I never learned that lesson properly. <laughs> so, off to the uh, to the Bernies for some Sunday drinks. Oh God! You see, I'm talking myself into it now. I was I was sort of hovering around the the possibility of not drinking today. I can feel my resolve just collapsing. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, so uh, Uber, do you think runes? What about you? Well we'll do, well we'll figure it out. I'm not gonna drink Monday to th- Thursday. So maybe I can just sneak in another lunch. Well, as you can tell by the change to the funky music, we're moving into section three, which is the the, the closing section, or the outro, as, as people in the industry call it. <laughs> you have the intro and you have the outro. I never really realised that until you know, I saw it written down somewhere. So yeah, that makes sense. So, um. We're talking about Sunday lunches and, and drinks on a Sunday, which for me, you know, stretches right back to my days of early manhood. Probably it was about 17, 18. And, uh, well, you know, I haven't looked back since. Pretty successful career in, uh, in that. In nothing else. But, uh, well... But I'm thinking about this because my beloved daughter, Maya, has just, you know, finally gone to university to be on campus uh, at Royal Holloway University, the self-same university that Christina and I went to and uh, studied together at, fell in love, ended up, not at the time, but later on, getting married in the chapel of Royal Holloway College. Well, there she is. It's so, you know, it's kind of romantic, but uh, our daughter, it's history repeating itself. Our daughter's there, studying. And uh, she's, she's a good student, you know, works hard, gets good grades. <clears throat> she's healthy, exercises, you know, all the things that uh, you really want your kid to be. Very, you know, loving to her parents, 
I've never really done much drinking, yeah, occasionally. But always in, in moderation. <laughs> well, when I say in moderation, I have seen her <laughs> in a bit of a mess once or twice, but <clears throat> it's just one-offs. <clears throat> and uh, so she, she's there and uh, she calls us before she goes to bed every night. And uh, it's been getting later and later. And she still calls us, it's sort of charming really, but she calls us. And uh, she, was it on Friday night, I think, or could have been yesterday. No? She, uh, <laughs> she texted and she said, God, I'm really annoyed. I'm never doing this again. What's up? What's up? Why have you stopped? Well, we can't go that way. It's all the snow. Ruins. We're not going that way. Come on, this way, this way. Um, See, so she texted to say, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> We've all been there. Obviously, had a bit of a headache. And I uh, stayed up till four o'clock. And uh, I wish I'd been studying with nerds until four o'clock instead of dancing with, with bass, <laughs> bass uh, students till four o'clock. <laughs> well, I don't think that resolve will last very long. Anyway, the point is, she's got to enjoy her life and enjoy her college career and make the most of all of it. She's got to come out with, you know, a really good degree. But also, a rounding in life. That's why you go to college. <sighs> so, yeah, she's been calling us, and she does. She calls us before she goes to bed, even if it's four in the morning. <clears throat> and uh, it's not too late here. And she just tells us, you know, what she's been up to, which is so nice. Now, I'm looking, just to get back to the wildlife side of things, I'm looking over the field, the, you know, the um, American football field. And I hadn't noticed this till recently, but there's a big, big nest. It's, it's obviously a bird of prey. I, I haven't seen any bird in it yet, but on top of one of the floodlights, it's got to be a fire hasn't but um, and it's there and I don't know who nests in that yet come on but I was having a little text exchange with Brian Corley and the dude yesterday we often you know on, on Saturdays we all follow Premier League soccer and uh, the dude supports West Ham for some reason I mean, they know I support Burnley so we often sort of exchange messages and uh, just, just to, you know, for a laugh, I, I sent them a link to one of these podcasts. <laughs> I didn't know that Brian was keen on wildlife too. So he then says, did you know there's an American bald eagle family nesting on Sherwood Island? <clears throat> I did not know that, but I told him that I have seen a bald eagle you know, once, on, on these walks with Rooney. And uh, so, you know, a bit of back and forth on that. And uh, he told me something I did not know, which is, it is not unusual for bald eagles to have two nests, you know, within a few miles of each other, which I thought was pretty interesting. <laughs> and he has, <clears throat> Brian's uh, and, and um, uh, Tracy, have got a home on Fire Island, which is just off New York. And uh, we've been there a 
few years ago now, but we went there for a few days. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, beautiful island, amazing atmosphere there. It's like a different era, you know, time. No cars, just bicycles. So charming, beautiful place to be, and, and it's it's sort of functional. It's not it's not snazzy. Well, their house is not. It's you know it's got loads of bedrooms. It's got you know comfortable living room, kitchen, all that sort of stuff, but nothing flash, which I, I you know appreciated. So you're there to really sort of soak up the summer. <laughs> anyway, so I said to Brian, oh, so that must be like you know having a home in Westport and another one on Fire Island. <laughs> Where they go for fun, perhaps. Is that, is that what the bald eagles do? Well, we'll have our main home on uh, Sherwood Island, but we'll, we'll keep a place on the beach, Burying Hill Beach. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's what they do. I'm told that you shouldn't sort of put human thoughts and emotions into, into animals or birds. What do they call that? Anthropomorphize or something? <laughs> I'm doing it all, I always do it, the whole time, don't I, Rins? <laughs> Can't help it. You're a person too, aren't you, Rooney? You're not just a beast of the field. You're a sentient, living, breathing, emotional being. Yeah. So what's wrong with anthropomorphising? Is that how you say it? <laughs> Hell of a lot of syllables, isn't it? Um, Oh, I think it brings the world to life. <laughs> See, when you grow up on a farm, like I did, you, you know, you're, you're with animals more than you're with people. So I guess you can't help it. <laughs> anyway, what do you think, Runes? Should we wrap it up now? Well, I think we should. As we're, you know, we're coming into the sort of final stretch of the walk. Probably walked about, I don't know, miles today Rooney something like that it's been a good walk I had to get him out because he had like a three-quarter walk yesterday and a half a walk the day before because of uh, having to walk Betty's charge Sasko you know that dog Labrador real a riot of a dog I mean it just doesn't obey anything I found myself struggling I don't know how the heck Betty's supposed to look after it. 84 years old with a broken arm. I better actually give her a call in a minute and just see if she's all right. Anyway, the, what I want to say to you is thank you for listening. It means a lot. It gives me purpose in life. <laughs> Whilst I'm not working at the moment in a strange way, I feel like I've you know, got some fun stuff to do. So thank you for listening, and and I, I, you know you hear people say this, and I never really knew what they're on about, but now I do. <clears throat> if you do enjoy these, there's there's probably some way of, of clicking a like or you know clicking on a heart symbol or something, just to show that you like it, and that, and that way maybe other people will sort of pick it up and start listening too. So if you if you do like it, then please do that, but. Most importantly, thank you for listening, and let's uh, chat again really soon. <laughs>